Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chatroom podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chatroom. I'm Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And in today's episode we're going to look at some of the problems and queries you guys are raising in our social media platforms. So I think, Fliss, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so a question we got recently on Instagram was how long should carpet times be and what should they include in preschools? So I know some settings don't really do do carpet time in preschools, but from your guys' experience? When we did do carpet time in preschool, it was mainly stories or a game that they wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. But we never, like, forced them to stay on the carpet. So if they didn't want to do it, they could go and do something else. But obviously, like, the attention span of three- and four-year-olds isn't massive. So, like, sometimes it was a five-minute little game or five-minute quick story. And then they kind of flitter. Mm-hmm. So some more would join, some would go. Yeah. And I just kind of sat there and did it until there was no one left, really, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But they used to, like, playing, like, like, matching games and sorting games. Yeah. And it would be part of, like, part of the provision, really, when you yeah. just become part of that. So it's like with the other age ranges where you sing a lot more nursery rhymes. Like we used to have nursery rhyme spoons or toys yeah. and, and they would just come along and keep picking and yeah. you'd stop when yeah. no one else is interested. I guess we like had it built into the routine but we didn't call it carpet time, it was like group time. So like in the morning they'd do the register uh, on the iPad. So like they'd come down, all sit in a group on the carpet and they'd do the register and then they'd just talk a little bit about the weather and stuff like that. And if a child had anything to say about like their day or what they're doing, like they'd stand up and like, a little girl said they had a baby, their mum had a baby and she came yeah. up and told everyone like mummy had a baby a lot of what they do at school so it is a more for the preparation and then like at lunchtime they'd have like story time and maybe that'd be extended into a bit more of singing and talking and questions and we games used to have them, um, you know the story sacks with puppets yeah. Yeah. we used to really like them because I used to get certain children to come up and hold be the puppet and the characters and stuff but then because the other children hadn't had a go, they'd be like, oh, can we have a go? So I had to do it again. Keep going. Until it all had a chance to be a yeah. puppet character. But they used to really like that. But it was never like you have to sit, sit yeah. and listen to this story. I think it's just knowing as well. You can tell half yeah. the time when they're just not interested in this. Like for the first story, they might all be sat there and yeah. like loving it. But then if you read another one and mm-hmm. then you go on to something else, you can tell they're so disinterested. Yeah. So like, just go play. I was once told that, you shouldn't keep children sat down on like a focused activity for more than double their age. So if you think about in baby room, actually that's quite realistic. If they're like one or under, trying to keep them sat at a directed activity for two minutes is hard work. You're definitely not going to get much more than that. So with the preschooler that's three to four, you're looking at sort of six to eight minutes of sat down, which sounds like you're doing something like a register and a couple of songs mm-hmm. together, a quick story something that's kept them their attention for that amount of time mm. because they just don't have the ability to focus. But the yeah. point of those times, whether it's a circle time or a group time, whatever it's called in your setting, it is to prepare for that school environment. Yeah, and I think they have that 10-minute activity at the start of every day. I think as well with story time as well, you have them children that will never go and pick a book and come up to you mm-hmm. during their play and say, read me a story. Yeah. Like, they won't do it. And, like, you know the importance of reading stories. So, like, just even that, at least paying a bit of attention to a story will have... Mm-hmm benefits but yeah I think it's just knowing their limits we used to have children. some on CDs as well yeah, yeah. after lunch for preschool because they'd obviously see baby room and toddler room going off to have their sleeps and obviously the older toddlers that weren't sleeping so after lunch 
We always used to play an audio book where all of the older children mm. would just lie down mm. and like they'd take a sleep mat or they'd take a pillow or something and we just used to listen to one audio mm. story with the guys like letting the food go down and getting them nice and chill. Yeah. Reality is I think it was probably to keep them a little bit quieter while they're trying to get the other ones to I sleep. always remember squashing a squeeze on the CD mm. and the voices that they used to put on. They used to make me like cringe a little bit, like the voices. Mm. But the children love it. Yeah, they'd really enjoy that mm. time. It took a while to get them to the point that like at first yeah. you're constantly have to be like sit down or like if you want to go off and do something it needs to be a quiet activity this is quiet time mm. but again mm. after like a couple of weeks of doing it they get used to it so another practitioner problem that we got was how do you deal with handovers in your earlier settings especially ones where the conversation can be quite a difficult one I mean, honestly, I want to say I'd like to avoid them. I don't, yeah. but, like, they're never good, are they? I guess just knowing the parent as well and knowing how they take it. I mean, you can have children where, like, quite often you're doing the handover and you've got something. You're not necessarily telling the first day that they've been, like, mm-hmm. kicking, but then if the next day they're still doing it, you'll, you've got to let them know. And if you know what their reaction's going to be to them sort of thing, do you know how best to approach it? Exactly like you would with the other practitioners yeah. in the room. You get to know the people, so you know how we might say something to Charlotte is completely different. Like, how yeah. you might say it to Charlotte, like, just because of how you guys get to know each other. So I think that's a good point. I just think something that I always really learnt with difficult conversations, with, whether it's a practitioner or a parent, is you've got to do it. So a lot of it for me was, like, mm. I would get stressed about it because of, like, how the reaction was going to be. But I've always now learned that when a problem arises, just to get it done. Get it done, yeah. And, like, put it I mean, out there. A lot of parents, like, I I used to do it quite a lot being in preschool, but, like, a lot of parents used to be like, I really value your honesty. Like, yeah. thank you for telling me how they've been and not sugarcoating it and saying, oh, they've done really good today when they haven't. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parents used to say to me, be honest with me. Think about it as well. If you're saying that and the child's still there, yeah. they're hearing you say to parents, oh, they've been really good today, and then they're they yeah. You told me off half an hour ago. Like, I mean, sometimes I used to go to the door without the child. Yeah. So people. I used to go. I wouldn't tell the child the parent was there. That's a good point. And I'd nip out and I'd just have a word with them without the child because mm. one, they're not messing around, faffing around, so the parent's not listening to me because the child's just doing what they want. They can't hear what I'm saying about them because I don't yeah. want to upset the child yeah. and them to go and think, "Oh, Charlotte's been saying all these horrible things about me." And it just gives you a bit of like that time with the parent as yeah. well to have a chat that's a really good point that you need to think about the environment that you're mm. having the talk with this parent in don't talk yeah. about a child's personal no. problems if there's two or three parents yeah. behind that that's other one it thing. needs to be private like mm. you have to respect that privacy so it might be that you need to take them into the office or yeah. something but you've got to be aware of the people around you and it's just they're actually listening to you then instead of being distracted or thinking oh sometimes parents can hear what yeah. you're saying and they go a little bit like embarrassed i also think while my advice before is like just get it done which I do I do stand by don't be blunt about it like don't come in this is the issue this is the problem yeah like I'm not saying sugarcoat it the way you approach it it, like I always yeah I saw people when we I saw this question on social media saying like do the positive sandwich like start with the positive put the negative in the middle then close but then I sometimes think even in all other things I sometimes don't agree with that method because you're squishing it and like kind of ignoring yeah you're hiding the negative with two positives when actually it's the negative that should outweigh the positives but like I I used to just say like not necessarily positive I just be like oh they've been all right they've ate all the dinner they've slept but this has happened and then I say but after we had a talk and we dealt with it they were then actually okay and then Mm. they carried on with the day so like you're not necessarily like oh yeah they were amazing but like you don't just leave them on the 
yeah. they've done this, but you, you explain how you dealt with the situation and if they this is it. took it on board after. You offer the solution. This happened today. Mm. This is how we've reacted. Mm. And if it's something that needs to be taken further yeah. at home, you would say, we suggest you do A, B, yeah, or C. Yeah. You don't give them a problem without giving them a solution. solution. They don't want to walk away from that handover and feel it helpless. No, my child's yeah. going and doing this. I remember I had a parent and she used to make her child write me an apology letter. Oh, which is no. not what I did not want that at all. Like I never said get them to write me a letter. And like I used to just feel like this poor child's gone home, had to sit down and write me an apology. Like they can't write. And then like she'd come in and she'd be like, give this to Charlotte. And I'd be like, and he'd be like, like scared. Had she like written what he was supposed she to? She told him like, under the scribbles, it was her writing. Oh my God. And then he had to write his That's name really at the bottom. I said to her, I said, oh, you really don't need to do this. You know, we've, we've spoke about it at a nursery. You know, he knows what he's done, what he shouldn't have done. And you don't, you don't need to make him write me a letter. Bringing it back up as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, especially like you're, you're letting them, if it is a more serious issue, like it's occurring all the time, like it's a behavioural mm. thing. But like if it's like one off and you've clearly dealt with it and you're yeah. just letting them know what's happened. But it was like I think I bring it up again. I think she thought that him writing a letter was gonna make him not do it again. Yeah. And that was her just her parenting ways. Well yeah, everyone has different parenting um, ways, don't they? It was just maybe she had to do it when she was younger and to write letters and apology, but obviously it's not my place to say but writing lines, which is kind of what that is, is quite yeah. retro. Yeah. Um, I mean some children would draw me a picture, which is fine. And they'd be like, oh, I've drawn you a picture because yesterday made you sad. Aww. So we're saying be professional, get no it done. No, do it be in sensitive. a way that's suitable for them, be <clears throat> sensitive. Yeah. And to be honest, I really just think you've got to do it, so just do it. Another question that we get asked a lot on social media is about how different settings organise their rotors. Because obviously every setting works in a different way. So what were your guys' experiences? Well, when I was there, it was actually only two of us. That were on a rotor. Really? Yeah, everyone else did four days a week, um, open till close, and had a day off. Okay, but that was like rotor, so. No, uh, isn't like what room they were in? They're always in the same room. No, every member of staff started at seven forty-five and finished at six fifteen, and worked in their respective rooms, and they all had their day off a week, but they were assigned to them like a Monday or Thursday or whatever. Maybe might have to change depending on ratios. But then there was just me and another member of staff in my room who were on 40 hours. So we did a bit more hours than the rest of them. Ours was over five days. Okay. So and we so were on you rotors. Were, you so, were more to fit in where the gaps were needed. But we were in the same room. Okay. So we just, they just wouldn't let us do four hours. I don't know why. I thought four days and our hours over four days and with the shifts, they wouldn't let us do it. But at first we got random shifts. Maybe some, no, actually, this was towards the end, it was just the two of us. When we first started, there was more than one of us on it, but then they left and then they never put yeah. anyone else back on it. But at first, they were just random shifts. I don't know how, I'm guessing she sorted it out between like how many children were in yeah. and ratios and stuff. But then at the end, it got to the point where we'd do alternate. So I'd do a week of 745, 445s, and then day she'd do the opposite so she'd do 9.15 till 6.15 and then the week after I'd do the other we'd swap yeah. the shifts from. that makes sense yeah that so I knew I was having a week of early starts early finish yeah. then the week after I knew I was having a week so of... it sounds like your children were booked quite far in advance so like oh, the new them. children's numbers all throughout the month and then at the at the beginning of the month my like week before the next month I'd get given my rota I mean ours always want to write miss <laughs> 
because it just had scribbles all over it. So it just used to be each room was on a piece of paper and then it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday for the week and then everybody's who was in that room that day and then what shift they were on mm-hmm. and then the number of children that were in that week. But it never, someone couldn't do certain shifts or yeah. someone, like if someone was on annual leave, it was trying to fill someone in for so that. Afternoon so advance, just, were they? It, they were done every week. Yeah. So the deputy manager would do it because she was really good at figuring out where everyone could go. But then obviously with the whole ratio thing, like we couldn't have so many unqualified or blah, blah, yeah. blah. So she used to work out who could go where. But it was normally the same staff in each room mm. with bank staff and whatnot. But and it just used to cause us so much stress. I remember every week just being like, this rotor is going to be the death of me. <laughs> like just walking around with the rotor and going into rooms like, can you do this shift next week? Or can you swap your shift? It just had crosses all over it. Yeah. That's why I feel like my setting was all right with everyone yeah. doing it start until close, open till close. Like the majority, like literally, to, even now, I'd say, yeah, every staff member does pretty much does that apart from maybe some of the apprentices they used to do yeah. 8.30 until 5.30, yeah. like instead of over five days and have a day off for their studying. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see it working a lot easier because mm. with the road, I mean, now when they work the road out, they use supply staff to fill the blanks that they haven't got in full-time members of staff. And I think she's got a good system. I think she works out how many members of staff she needs in that room for a morning and afternoon and, like, says how many and then just fills them gaps. The first thing I worked out was done on a week-by-week basis, like it was, but because they were quite ad hoc, so parents could, like, swap their sessions around. So they yeah. call on a Thursday afternoon and swap their Monday session. So the Friday... The road went out, but I used to make it during the week, mm. and it was a bit chaotic having mm. to constantly swap and change things. But in the ideal world, it would be like what you did like you'd have a set of people, half the room would do like eight yeah. till five, eight till four, and then the other room would do nine till five, whatever to make up the yeah, full day. Yeah. But then the second nursery I worked at, they did theirs on like a sort of like a three month basis. Three months, wow. yeah. So they would add children in if they needed to. Mm. But not unless, but if someone was off sick, you couldn't swap the session. So I would know that for the next couple of months, I would do so. But their days were really strange. Like some days, I would finish at four, I could finish at five, I could finish at six, I could finish at one, finish yeah, at twelve. I could start at eight, nine, seven thirty, ten. Uh, but it was all very much based on the children that were going to be in. Yeah. For me, like I always knew that Mondays were a half day. Yeah. And at like three days a week and then did two days a week and did like eight or six I did an eight or five and I had another half day but like I always knew that and they wouldn't accept a child in until they checked like do you want to work in an extra hour tomorrow and if I said no that's mm-hmm. fine that's what it was yeah that's quite nice though most of should be like yeah yeah no, they check with the staff first as well because it's not always financially viable like mm. if you're going to be taking it bringing in another child and that potentially takes you up to having to get another member of staff in financially yeah. does it add up and they were very good at that in that setting whereas before I've always just been told to say yes yeah so they were very clever with that I don't know I, I kind of didn't mind the shifts but I mean when I first started they were very different shifts so like I'd have a eight fifteen till five fifteen one day the next day I'll be doing a nine till six and then the day mm-hmm. like there wasn't until we got the consistency in the rotor I would have a different shift every day yeah. it was just a bit like because uh, like my, I'd have a different alarm every morning like, it wouldn't be, like, my same alarms. Like, on an 8.15 shift, I'd wake up at this time. On a 9, I'd wake up at 
45 minutes later it's yeah I also think it's so like we've done it and everyone does it but like it's such a long day when you're doing start to close yeah like you're not giving your best at the end of that no. day like you just you physically can't but then also I look at it now and I'm like they got a full day off a week so they technically only work four days but then they did do all their hours over four days yeah which is hard as well and some of them only had half an hour lunch so they could get an extra half an hour pay it's hard though because so you're working so you're working till six everything works out nicely you're home by half six but because you start work at 7.30 oh, in the God, morning, you're, you're, you're mm. in bed by mm. 9, 10. So you just don't have the time during those days. Mm. So it depends on what works for you in your setting. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool chat room. If you want, you can follow us on a multitude of social media platforms, including Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. If it exists, we're probably on it. But in the meantime, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.